0: should have had Santman cook up Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? (laughs) The Blue Jays won a game against, let's check some notes, an AL East opponent. Their apparent big brothers, no longer the Baltimore Orioles, and they did it with a big knock. Yeah in extra innings, and a three-knock night from Vladdy Guerrero. Checking a lot of boxes. We'll talk about you, say Kikuchi in a second. But we're going to start positive. Gunnar and Daniele here with you. Daniele, your last day on the mic, mm-hmm. here at least this week. I never presumed to know what else is going on in your life <laughs> outside of here. But your last time on the mic in this time slot, maybe, maybe we'll drag you in for some FIBA talk tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, how you doing on this wonderful Wednesday?
1: Oh, doing good. Doing good this morning. Uh, yeah, that was refreshing. That was cool. That had Last night, that felt like a game that the Jays, for whatever reason, would typically lose in a lot of instances where they didn't come up with, wouldn't come up with the big Mm -hmm. hit or let that just that early little lead slip away. And instead, we're sitting here and we get to talk about they hit in a meaningful moment. All week, we've been talking about Mm -hmm. it's not about how many it's about when and, and just making sure you come up in critical moments and Brandon Belt. Delivered. It was really cool, really refreshing, and a positive, positive win. That felt like a playoff
0: game. I had my lineup math wrong. So for half a second, I thought Vladdy hit that bomb, and I was like, wow, from a narrative perspective, (laughs) this is really shaping up. Uh, Obviously, Vladdy followed up Belt's bomb with Mm -hmm. a double of his own. Yeah, a little easier to do so once pressure's off, if I do say so myself. But matters that you come through in that spot and even on the other on the flip side of things Varsho answering early uh, with a awesome. bomb of yep. his own really important you got a couple knocks from him you loved what you saw out of him you're starting to see that come around and this isn't a week or so thing this has been kind of trending for a month or so now kind of since the deadline almost and uh, certainly a lot of people maybe having to eat some uh, humble pie in terms of what Varsho's done so up and down the lineup you you see a lot that you like there you finally get some timely hits now it does kind of bring us back to the age-old question that we've been having with runners in scoring position of like, did they unlock something? Did they do something (laughs) different? Or is it baseball and their their hits just happen to get clustered in a couple of innings and that is better than having one hit every other inning or you know, having having a guy on base but never really threatening throughout the game. It, it just, it because of the referendum on runners in scoring positions, like, do we now give them credit for doing this? Even though we've been trying to say it's not their fault all year long, it's such a uh, back and forth argument.
1: I actually think it's more credit to their own bullpen than it is anything
0: else. I wrote down here that the Blue Jays bullpen depth won them that game hundred
1: percent, a million percent. Cause guess what happened? Once the O's ran through all their high leverage arms for the most part, you
0: yeah, got to Bowman. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and what did they do when they got to Michael Bowman? Bang, bang. They hit Michael Bowman. And not just that, they had a plan of attack of being aggressive early in the counts for first four pitches. That guy comes out of the pen and throws. They're swinging at all four, one resulting in a Homer, another in a double. And then they come around and score three runs in that inning. So I think I think it's more credit to the Jays bullpen. In fact, it highlights what we've been talking about all year long with them is how consistent and how good they've been because Kikuchi had a short leash yesterday. He gets yanked. He didn't have his best A-plus stuff per se, and then the bullpen came in, and after we moved past you know, Jimmy Garcia getting one out, they went five shutout innings, allowing one hit. That was the highlight. That was definitely, as you put it, won them the game. There's no doubt about it. They had more high leverage arms in meaningful spots than the Baltimore Orioles. They were able to outlast them when it really mattered. That was, that was the most encouraging part. It's the formula pitch. Well hit in the big moments, the timely matter come
0: up and deliver. They did that. Yeah, and the thing about it is the way Belt got his hit, right? It wasn't manufactured. Even no. if the ghost runner didn't exist, they still go on and win that ball game. And that's it's just so night and day. I mean, you see, and again, the what the what the Orioles were able to get out of their high leverage guys. You know, Cano has struggled against the Jays. He gave up the one hit, but other than that, he was nails. Mm-hmm. Batista lights out in terms of what you saw to him, but It's kind of all they got, you know, they've got those two guys and Hey, a lot of teams in baseball would kill for those guys in the eighth and ninth inning. But what have we said about the Jays until they retweak their pen? You say, okay, you really like Romano in nine you're okay with Swanson and eight, And then as you start, but now that all these guys have been kind of bumped down or you can go in different spots or look at different ways. I mean, look, they go Hicks to Swanson last night. It's just a embarrassment of riches there. I mean, if either of those guys are on the Orioles, you can make the argument that they're the eighth inning guy ahead of Cano there. And then throw in Trevor Richards, a guy who is so much more reliable than anything else you're seeing come of that O's pen. That is the Jays blueprint right there. And it doesn't need to be six runs, you know, needs to be more. More than two or three could be four or five, but that's the blueprint. Is you know, and Kikuchi wasn't great. He didn't kill them last night. Like there wasn't a lot of damage that got uh, came out of it. But I think he gave up six or seven mm-hmm. over just four and two thirds. So that's not what you six or seven hits. I should clarify, not earned runs there. But that's not <laughs> conversation what conversation. Might be different. Yeah, it would be very different if, <laughs> if that was the case. But you know, you get a solid enough start from yep. him. Like if that's the if that's the floor that you're going to get out of. And again, we can quibble about what he is. Your three or four starter you're pretty okay with that. If that's the absolute floor that you see, and it's kind of been what you have seen out of him lately. So again, Mm -hmm. it's just pitching highlighted again. It matters so much. And it goes back to what we talked about with uh, Johnny yesterday that because it's been so good all year long, we only have talked about Manoa's struggles and say, "Hmm, this pitching, I don't know, but we do kind of gloss over how, utterly reliable it's been elsewhere even me somebody who was kind of again I wasn't trying to necessarily ring the panic alarm on Gosman I was just I was just making sure I knew where it was we haven't had to ring it he has bounced back he has found his footing obviously I think it's him tonight or or Barrios uh, and then Barrios in the the finale but either way you're going to see him in the next couple of days here and it'll be just another great Gosman outing I'm sure so that's the blueprint it's pitching it's pitching it's pitching and then get Again, you're not asking for the world. Nope. One or two timely knocks in a ball game, and it changes everything. Gosman today
1: against Jack Flaherty. Mm. Yes, and then Jose Barrios tomorrow. Flaherty was
0: so good first, he was, first outing. Yeah, games. he was. Uh,
1: and then tomorrow it's Barrios and Dean Kramer in the finale, so that's what Dean he Kramer. Next two days.
0: Sounds like he should be from the fifties.
1: Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah. yeah, sounds like yeah. is there the... a sitcom character that's kind of named? Yeah, it right? does
0: sound right. Oh, well, Kramer for sure. And, right? then, and then Dean Martin is what he always reminds hey, me. of I'm not a big like, sitcom guy, so I just I, didn't, I, I, even I known just the picture of him. I just picture him of like uh, he just looks like he was on like the the white team and remember the Titans. <laughs> like when I think of the guy named Dean Kramer, that's what he just reminds me of. So there you go.
1: Uh, the the bullpen. First off, we didn't even mention Tim Meza in there, oh. but I do want to give some recognition to Tim Meza because it's... I'm it's, happy
0: you brought this up because I get something on that. Okay, good.
1: Go ahead. But it's just a collective collective job that he's done all year long, and he's absolutely nails. And so an ERA of 103 on mm-hmm. this season, which is absolutely absurd. And in a big spot, he's always the guy. Like, Yes, now they have Hennessy Cabrera, but he's the guy who comes in and has those tough matchups mm-hmm. against the lefty bats. Yep. And continues to get the job done. That was, I think, a, a great moment. And because everybody's and, you know, we can we can point at it was interesting to see Hicks get the seventh, eighth. But I think it just reinforces the, the overall flexibility of the bullpen that now they can use guys in different spots. Minus probably Jordan Romano being at the really back end of it and closing games, finishing mm-hmm. games. He seems to be really comfortable in that role. But beyond that. Hicks comes in it's like okay well it doesn't matter Wh- wherever the highest leverage moments are that's where those guys are going to be pitched and Hicks comes in does the job Mesa does the job Swanson does the job by the way they all looked really filthy too yeah. doing it which was which was really encouraging it was and and a hat tip to Brandon Hyde because Felix Bautista threw 9 pitches yeah and and he one inning 9 pitches you're thinking in a game that had as Joe Siddle put it playoff fever to it boy did it why I was confused why he didn't come out again. Cause it cost him the game in a lot of ways. He yeah. could have come out again. He only threw nine pitches. They didn't make him work. Right. Whereas the other, even the Jays relievers all, all had to work for their outs. So I thought that was an interesting uh, wrinkle there and a hat tip to Brandon Hyde for the win.
0: Yeah. I, I'd have to go back and, you know, you'd want to look at his game log. Like, is this a guy who's pitched for the last five days or something like that, but they had the off day. If I'm, if memory serves me correct, coming off of uh, their weekend yes. series as well yesterday. Yeah. So that should have kept them pretty fresh. Yeah. It's always interesting with closers. Some guys you feel super comfortable running out there. Cause it's not the pitches, right? They would tell you it's the getting hot again or staying hot or staying loose or however they want to word it there. But I would also say that if you're the Orioles, and especially with what the back end of that pen is looking like, maybe you could find out if he could get you mm-hmm. even four or five outs. So even if it's not going to be the full six or anything like that, if you can get more than three out of that guy, you should probably uh, you should probably try to yep. do it. I'm happy you brought up Meza because, you know, that moment in the ballgame last night where Mateo's trying to get down the bunt, and then he gets to two <laughs> strikes, and then, uh-oh, now it's a full count. Yep. That was just... You know, we get so bogged down in the pitch clock and everything's got to move faster. And I think we worried about those kind of moments late in the season of, oh, is it going to feel rushed? I don't know about you. I got no feeling of, "Ah, oh, this is too quick. Yeah. Let Meza sit there and chew on something for seven seconds longer. It didn't rush past any of that still had great feel still had great stakes so obviously it's going to feel different in a game that really truly matters hopefully deep into October but it felt like that was a good little test drive for it there and I don't know about you but I felt I didn't feel any type of way as though the game was moving too fast or moving too quickly and I just thought I just thought uh Dan and Joe did a great great job kind of highlighting the cat and mouse game there Mm -hmm. and they also did a great job just breaking down how and you know it's not super out of left field but i think that i think that it's good to be reminded of these things of how different maze's profile is than your typical Lefty reliever. And that's why he's able to be used so effectively against righties as well. I mean, Siddle was saying last night he throws a slider more to righties than he does to lefties, which is just unheard <laughs> of for a, for a left handed reliever. And it's also, you know, Mesa has some heat on him, but he's not 99. No, no, he's mid 90s, nope. right? So just again, proves plenty of different ways to do it. And now that you have the freak, you can just sit here and appreciate Mesa for what he is. So yeah, awesome. Awesome from him. Richards was great last yep. night as well. And then, yeah, other than Kikuchi and Garcia. You sit there and go, perfect, well done. Everybody did their job, and again, even Kikuchi. I'm not going to sit here and you know sing his praises, but he wasn't dreadful. He wasn't brutal. We would have we would have taken in in April of this year. We would have taken that line and said, "Give me 30 starts of that this year, please." I would love it. So if that's going to be the floor, you see, especially against a really quality O's team. Again, just another kind of feather in the Jays pitching cap, which is weird to say about a guy who wasn't awesome yesterday, but I think you get what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree. And and, and I think you can you can certainly live with that kind of performance. And I, I know I saw a lot of people there was consternation about oh was he was he pulled too soon? Did he get an early hook? I guess in theory possibly, but I thought the timing of it was fine. Cause he was giving up a lot of contact. Yeah. They were getting a lot of base or a lot of activity on the base paths against them. They just didn't do the uh, deliver a ton of damage in those moments. And in fact, they almost, the Jays could have almost even gotten out of that situation with, you know, two on the board as opposed to three with Danny Jansen, the Kikuchi, I forget who it was. He struck out yeah. a batter with Cedric Mullins, I believe. And then Jansen throws through. And I was like, ah, it's two outs. You didn't need to, what happens? He bounces the throw ends up being an extra run and an error. So that, that came back to haunt them a little bit, sure. but I felt like, you know he it was fine to pull him when they pulled them. I didn't see an issue with that. He didn't have his a plus stuff, but yes he got you into the fifth I mean it's in 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 a game like that high leverage game with a lot of stakes to it, and you can really feel it when you're watching the game. Uh, to to get even into that position is is encouraging. It's did your
0: good. did your heart jump into your throat when Matt Chapman nearly bowled him over on the <laughs> infield pop up <laughs> yeah. there? Because I immediately went uh, Bichette Springer. I don't know if that's where you immediately went. No, but that I was where mind there. immediately no. went. Uh, I was just going. Also, you know, in terms of guys on the Jays, you'd least want running into you. Matt Chapman's, if he's not at the top of that list, he's right near it. That's an alpha. That's a solid dude is what that is. So yeah, I saw that and I was uh, very happy everyone came out on the other side of that because Kikuchi, I don't know, you know, I don't know. He's just making weird faces or whatever, but he didn't look like it didn't look like it tickled when Matt Chapman bumped in him. He looked a little worse for wear there. And again, obviously he stayed in the game. So he's fine. I'm not trying to speculate any injury or anything like that, but man, those moments there. That and again, like every baseball team will have them, but if if it, the game would have gone the other way last night, we're sitting here for ten minutes saying these are the these are the, <laughs> the fundamental things that you cannot do if you're a World Series team. But guess what? They did, and yeah. it was okay. But I and- uh, my heart jumped into my throat when I saw that because uh, yeah, just I, it was immediately back to and I know very different plays, very different circumstances, but Bo Springer last year
1: they recorded the out. Yes, Main thing, they got the outs. out. That's very okay. And then secondarily, I do not think we'll ever see that happen again. Where you say Kikuchi tries to alpha. I love one it. of the infielders. That? Never mind if it's just Chapman, but certainly Matt Chapman. Do not get in Matt Chapman's way. You want to know why, too? He's also think and I know it's a routine play, but goodness me, he's like, Every out I can make. I'm making extra money. Yes. Get out of my way. The Giants okay? are paying me per yes. out recorded next year. <laughs> Speaking of hey, they, they the Blue Jay. I mean, we've already got the pipeline we starting do. to develop with uh, Paul, the young, former Blue Jay, right. now making his way to the San Francisco Giants. They're planting the seeds for
0: what will be I don't know, maybe that's, not that's Maybe that's Chappie's mole. And he's going to be like the Rap <laughs> Nick situation over there. He's like, oh, go find out what's going on with the Giants. Start need, getting my yeah. locker comfy. Yeah, Why don't I, you break it in that seat <laughs> for me, Paul?
1: I Need to know. It feels like him and Gabe Kapler would get along really well.
0: Uh yes, yeah, would agree on that. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the Jansen play last night. Obviously, these things happen. It ended up not uh, costing the O's at all, but there was a moment. I'm thinking it was maybe in the eighth inning where there's a runner on, and then uh, I was Varsho was on, and then they it was a full count, so they go to the the run on the on the pitch, and Chapman th- swings through strike three, and it's yeah. not Rutschman behind the plate. And so the runner advances there and I'm sitting there going, oh man, that is a massive turning point. And uh, (laughs) this will shock you. The blue is not able to get any runners in scoring position, but we're not going to dwell on that because this is the thing you don't need to come through in every single one of those spots. You need to get four or five of these opportunities a game more or less consistently. And you need to come through in anywhere between, depending on the night, one to three of them. It is not that much that is being asked of you, and you see it. You can, We can go and pull all the other moments that we would have been killing these guys for if they lost, but they don't matter because they were just able to get one or two knocks in a moment that matters, and we're all going to focus on belts bomb. I don't think you can... I don't think you can say enough about how much Varsho's meant early yeah. on in that game. The way it started, the way Kikuchi was going, the way that games between these two teams have felt this year, the way this team can press when offense doesn't come to them early in a game, I just don't think you can say enough about what Varsho's homer meant early on. No, I couldn't
1: agree more. And uh, I do want to, before we transition to the offense quickly, the Bobachet defensive play that we haven't put some respect on his defense. It's time. I, I brought it up on Monday mm-hmm. where I s and, and I think we were chatting with Show and I said, you know, one of the things I noticed in his absence with whether it was Espinal mm-hmm. or DeYoung getting all those reps out there while hitting yeah, I mean just not hitting, um, it w- was the fact that his defense is was missed because he makes plays like that. And I I don't feel like it's an a certainty that those other two guys make that play. And he he is he has become Yeah, – I'm not saying he's a world-beater mm-hmm. defensively by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination, but when he does stuff like that, it reinforces that, A, he's improved defensively, and, B, he deserves to have that reputation shift a little bit. The numbers are not going to support him ever. They're not. They're just mm-hmm. not there. I, you look – even. i I'm oh, thinking, yeah. oh, I saw some marginal improvement. No, no, no. no. If you look statistically, <laughs> Don't look at the numbers. they're awful. It doesn't <laughs> matter what he does. But ultimately, that's in a critical point. We might not be – another talk about another watershed moment that might have changed the game. That play right there. Massive. If it's not made, what happens? We okay. might not be sitting here talking about them winning the game in extras, keeping it going, Tim Mesa being another, mm-hmm. you know, just shot in the arm for them in the bullpen that continues to do a routine day after day. Instead, that could be a whole completely different narrative coming into this morning, but Bubashev makes a play that really saves the game and it deserves does. credit.
0: It does save the game. It does deserve credit. I I don't even, honestly, I wasn't going to bring it up because I don't want to be this guy this morning. The only thing I'll say about that, I am with you. Does Paul DeYoung make that play? Not a chance. Does Carrera, does that, Carrera, I keep wanting to go back to Ezekiel Carrera. (laughs) Does Espinal make that play? Not that they'd ever let Calvin there, but uh, Schneider's sweet boy wouldn't make that play there. But I think a truly great or good or however, whatever shelf you want to put on it, defensive shortstop, That play, we go, wow, what a nice play. But we just move on because it doesn't look as difficult as it does. This is the age-old question that's with, like, tough. Kevin Plar in center field. It's like, well, is he a better center fielder than Kiermaier? No, but I've seen him dive like 15 <laughs> times this year. Yes, because he has to cover a lot more ground, and he does it a lot less fast. So that's the only thing I would have to that is that a a better shortstop defensively, and I want to be clear, yeah. I have long moved. I have uh, Again, I was the guy who for the last two seasons been banging the drum of if this team's going to improve pitching and defense, maybe not have that guy be your shortstop. I've stopped talking about that because it's far from the biggest problem on this team and he has improved to a point that it should not be a talking point point. and that's where I'll agree with you that the, the conversation deserves to shift I just worry that we're now going to go the other way where all of a sudden he's a gold glove shortstop and it's okay settle down yeah. I think a gold glove shortstop he m- makes that play last night and you're looking at it saying yep that was a really nice play good job and then we forget about it in four minutes but with a guy like Pichette who that's and look when he hits the way he does, if he played defense the way we're talking about, he'd be a $400 million player. He might be anyways, okay? <laughs> so I want to be clear. This is not a knock on him. I just want to get my kind of Bobachet defensive thoughts pro- uh, properly out there, okay? I, I will You'll give, allow it.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I, I will give him more respect Okay, um, because I really do feel like there has been a shift and here's the alternative. The alternative is the guy that couldn't lay down a bunt, Jorge Mateo, who's Bingo. all glove. Yep. Okay. And now if that's if that play happened on the opposite end of the spectrum, on the other side of the equation, and it was the Blue Jays hit a ball towards the hole, uh-huh. Jorge Mateo is there to make that play. Yes. Now, is he going to make that play? I don't know, because it's a really challenging and difficult defensive play to make. So that's why I still think, regardless, Boba Bichette made a heck of a play yep. and, and deserves a ton of credit for that. And it's a testament to the fact that his defense has improved, yep. which has enabled him and put him in a position to do what he did in the ninth inning yesterday in a critical moment to make that play. And... Honestly, I know we, you know, there have probably been times in the past where you're, you're a little bit skittish when the ball gets hit towards mm-hmm. him and he's playing the most important position on the diamond yep. in a lot of ways. Cause you want your, you need your shortstop to be so sound defensively, but I can tell you there was nobody else I'd rather have in that situation yesterday than Bo Bichette on this team, certainly. And there's maybe only, I will say it a handful of shortstops around the game that I'm thinking of the combination of offense and defense is better than that guy factoring both sides in equally there's there is a very short list of actual legitimate shortstops that are better when you account for both sides of the ball
0: yep a thousand percent and i'm with you there i will take the i will take the awesome bat and pretty good glove guy over the all glove and pool noodle one thousand times out of a thousand so (laughs) we can we can absolutely uh agree on that uh probably just should do a little check-in uh oh definitely this is this is important Uh, But that's the bad part, though. I know this is this is the sad part. (laughs) So uh, how'd everything go last night? (laughs) Other than other than for the Blue Jays, not good. uh, If you are a Blue Jays fan, still a game back of Seattle, one and a half games back of Houston, five and a half games back of Tampa. And I did do a little quick math on this as well. Uh, So last year's last wildcard team was 86 Mm -hmm. wins. If you look at kind of the history, that number typically falls. Now I went back even before there was the expanded to just look at what the third place wildcard team would be. That number is going to be closer to 90 than it's going to be to 85 this year. So if they want to get to 90 wins for the Jays, 20 and 16, the rest of the way, super doable. Like, we laid out the schedule that they have. They're going to have a bunch of games against the Yankees at the tail end of the season, a bunch against Baltimore too. You're going to have to go beat an occasional good team in this run, but it no is no
1: more Baltimore after this. But Boston, oh, that's right. yes, lots Boston, of Tampa, right. and the Yankees. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you're going and the good thing about Tampa, of course, being in the mix, you're going to have, be able to claw back some games there. Uh, but everybody won last night. Rays beat the Rockies 12-4. Astros beat the Red Sox. So again, they hurt you and they help you at the exact same time this week. Uh, and then the Mariners uh, beat the White Sox six-three. Surprise, they, surprise. They may never lose again. And then. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Just for your update on Wander Franco, he's placed on administrative leave, hasn't played since August 12th. Basically what the administrative list uh, allows the Rays to do and baseball. Baseball can investigate. Rays don't have to chew up a 40-man spot, but uh, Franco still gets service time and still gets paid. So that's just a little update on where mm-hmm. we're at there. So not a great night uh, in the no, American League Wild Card for the Blue Jays.
1: No, and Seattle didn't have Julio Rodriguez again because again. he's dealing with a stomach bug. Oh. So he was just a little bit under the weather. They don't, I mean, it's the White Sox. I'm sorry. The White Sox cleaned house yesterday, got rid of their GM, their president, whatever they did what, up top. What happened there? Well, it's just, uh, if, you, if you recall seeing that story uh, from maybe l- less than a month ago, Keenan Middleton, who was one of their mm-hmm. relievers, talking about the lack of call. And accountability. I just, I
0: just remember the Field of Dreams game. Was it two years ago? Yes. three years ago. Yeah. And that White Sox team was nasty. They had Hendricks and Kopech coming out of the pen, and mm-hmm. Anderson was a great player, and Grandal was smacking bombs. Like it just fell Abreu apart. was that yeah, first? Just fell apart overnight there it, it seems like honestly oh
1: it, it did and and it's a I I do think it's just more of a cultural thing than anything else if you recall actually Tony, well, no. Tony, Tony La Russa was the the manager of that team and then it was that went that off the rails. Got, it was
0: there that he got mad at the guy for swinging at like the 3 meatball yeah, yeah that was there Mercedes yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he
1: was never the same he no. was gone like literally that mm-hmm. was the last we ever saw of your mean Mercedes he was, he was he was he was he's never played baseball again um and so yes you had that where the that that certainly soured quickly it lasted about a year they had a good season and then he comes back for year two and they were awful and then their young talent hasn't necessarily developed at the rate that they would like uh, to see Luis Robert seems like a good player Eloy Jimenez has not been that wonderful for them and then yeah Anderson has progressed I mean remarkably he was one of the better shortstops in the game just two short years ago took a step back it's just it's it it also you know what their situation reinforces how fleeting it is these moments and how you have to just capitalize on the opportunities you get because yep. people would have said uh, you know twenty 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 I think it was twenty one was the year of the of that Feel the dreams game roster looks good, looks like they're turning a corner, putting themselves in a position in a very crappy division to do damage, and look what happened to them now, yep. where are they? so you have to make all these moments and opportunities count. That's where the blue jays are also at. We talk about windows with them. You got you got two years. You got to make them count. And you got to do whatever you can to maximize what you currently have in front of you and see where you can go. That's why thinking about, well, what happens in the offseason and the team looks drastically different next year or whatever. You know, who cares? Like you got to worry about what's in front of you. And that's why. The the Angels are in a weird situation where they've taken a massive step back too, right? They yep. they've they're they were like, oh, we're going all in, we're pushing the chips forward. They get Mike Trout back yesterday, they lose, ironically, and that's an example of a team where I'm like, I'm okay with them doing what they did because they they looked at it and said, ah, you know what, we can continue to plan for the future and look and look ahead, look ahead, look at. At some point, it's about now, mm-hmm. win now, like try and invest and win now. That's where I am a fan of seeing teams do that, especially yep. in baseball.
0: Yeah, the other thing, just looking at, so it's funny. I pull up this two thousand, uh, this twenty twenty one White Sox team, and looking at it, it's it's kind of eerily similar, how similarly they're built to the Jays. It is an awesome team that had a good pen and made it truly great at the deadline. They had, listen to this starting rotation and try to take yourself back a year and a half to what these guys were. Cease, Giolito, Keichel, Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon. Like it was a murderers murderer's row of a rotation that they had there. Does that sound familiar to a Toronto Blue Jays team? (laughs) And then it is players in terms of what you were getting offensively. It's guys who were... I think sometimes you get so bogged down and every great player is going to be great for 10 years or whatever. Sometimes guys have an awesome three or four year run. you saw that from Tim Anderson. You've seen that for a guy like Matt Chapman or something like that. And it is very eerie how similar or how similar it is that team build in this one here. Now, obviously Bichette and Vladdy are kind of cornerstone pieces that maybe they didn't have there. But yeah, it's just when your team is built on pitching specifically, it can go away in an instant, like, drop of a hat it's gone look at what happened there and that is why it is so important to strike and this team like I know I'm not breaking any news to anybody you've got to win a playoff game this year where there's so much talk about you've got to get in you cannot have another year of lessons learned and I cannot believe that this team has not won a playoff game yet it is just un. Quite frankly, it's unacceptable given what the talent that they have and I know they should have won that game, but coulda woulda shoulda. It was eight one, okay? You should have been able to take <laughs> care of that. They have to find a way to get in because they this is not this is not to say the blue jays are gonna go in a crater the second Gosman's deal is up or anything along those lines, but You have to strike while you have a Cy Young quality guy. You had one two years ago in Robbie Ray, and you were able to replace him with another one of these guys. You had one last year in
1: Alec Manoa. Never mind just Kevin Gosman.
0: Do you think you're going to be able to go ahead? Show me all the teams in the American League history or National League if you'd like to do that, although I feel it's kind of cheating with the Dodgers, but that's okay. Show me all the teams in American League history that routinely every year have Cy Young guys. Are they the Yankees? Because if it's that, I'll hear it. Pretty much nobody else can say that. They can say that for four or five-year runs. Look at the A's in the 90s. Everyone talks money ball. Yeah, they had awesome starters. Well, what a shock. You Most teams are not able to continually or continually able to follow up one great guy or a great season with another one. And that is why you've got to strike. Well, you've got... It's not just about Gosman, but so much of it is about having him at kind of the tip of your pitching spear.
1: I also don't want to bring in the age factor here, but let's let's use that a, a little bit and and talk about experience. These guys are not getting any younger, right? Mm-hmm. These are guys that are just they're they're past thirty now. Kevin Gosman's thirty two, Chris Bassett's thirty four. Jose Barrios is a, is going to be thirty uh, next season. So you're talking about guys that. This is this is like where for Barrios, it's technically prime years. Gosman, you could say, yeah, he's probably still got another year or two of prime activity and performance in him. And then, you know, Bassett is where he is. You need Manoa. Like you just got to you have to maximize the opportunity in the windows that you get, because otherwise you're going to become very leafish. You do not want to be leafish. You do not want to be Well, we got all this remarkable talent, but we haven't won a first round series and it took how many years to mm-hmm. do that? And for the Blue Jays, I totally agree. You got to win a playoff game. It, like this is we can talk about the pathways to winning a championship and all that. It's great. Baseball better than every other sport in that sense cuz guess what? Once you if you get in, Anything Punch can your happen. Yep. Anything can happen. Other sports, you cannot make that same, that same case. Hockey may be the next closest thing where you can say, okay, well, if X team gets hot, which we see it every year, it always seems like there's a team that makes a deep run, mm-hmm. gets to a cup final, whatever the case may be, right? But in baseball, it's really as wide open as it gets every single year. But let's start with winning a playoff game. Before we jump to the conclusion or to the to the idea and entertain the idea of winning a championship or making an ALCS win the first playoff game. And, and if we actually look at this last three year cycle that they've been in, this is why I think even missing the playoffs in 21 really, really hurts. It stings because I think there would be a, I think they would have a playoff win under their belt at some point in here. So that hurts because you look 2020 short season for Charlie Montoyo's first go around yep. in a playoff situation, right? In a playoff situation, and we all know Chucky's going over there and shaking hands with Kevin Cash before every game, and and you know he's he's worried about pitch count in a playoff game, so that doesn't work. Then they missed the next year. And then last year's John Schneider's first kick at the can. And, yes, I'm sure if you ask, well, John, would you – well, maybe not. I don't know. John, I don't know if he has any any quibbles about what he does. But um, but that that there's a learning process that comes with that. And now, look, all of a sudden you're on the clock with two years left of the two guys that are supposed to be your franchise cornerstones. But before you have to make some real important and significant decisions that are going to shape your long-term outlook because you're going to be – talking about two guys that you're focused in on right now. And if you don't capitalize on what you have in front of you, it's, it just, it just magnifies it. The three-year window there that, that we just looked at, it makes it look, feel worse right now that they don't have a playoff one under their belt.
0: Yeah. It's ridiculous. I, again, I just, I don't know how many different ways we can sit here and talk about it. That when you look at all the talent that this team has, and I will say we are truly the Kings of incremental building here in Toronto. <laughs> Cause about a decade ago, I remember the talk was meaningful September baseball. Yep. That's what we were looking for. That was about 2013. So in 10 years, we have gone from meaningful September baseball to wanting to qualify for the postseason to now in the year 2023, we are asking to win one playoff game. Maybe, maybe by the time Vladdy is 28, we can ask them to win a whole series. Maybe then. It's... it's <laughs> You need to have higher expectations. And I know the team doesn't have one game. They don't want us. George Springer is not sitting there rallying the boys. If we look each other in the (laughs) eye and play for one another, we can take one of three in the wild card. That's not what they want to do. They have to find a way to punch through. George Springer is not going to get any better. Kevin Gosman, as you said, is going to fall off a cliff at some point in time. I I don't expect it to happen anytime soon, but... Father Time is truly undefeated, and I know people know he's in his 30s. But I think when you hear the four, you go, "Who? That's older than I thought." Even 33 feels very different than that. I don't know definitely. why the four. Why. No, no. I, it, I remember it why because Jim Bowden came on here. Yeah, he was talking yeah, he about was, hitters, but it was saying 34 like, is effectively a death knell.
1: How many people drove yeah. off the road that day yeah. listening uh, to Jim well, Bowden? A,
0: a three, a 33-year-old bread gutting. Uh, very, very <laughs> upset uh, to hear that I'm going to fall off a cliff uh, next month when I turn when I turn 34. You have to find a way to come through with this group. You have Gosman for the next two, and you brought up the contracts of Bo and Vladdy. Paying those guys isn't going to be an issue. They prove they're worth it. The checkbook is going to open up for those guys. One of them. (laughs) 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 There there is not going to be... That's where it's going to go, yeah. Look, if they've... I genuinely, in my heart of hearts, believe, and we still have two seasons to do this, if there is a run this year that they win a playoff series and okay steps are made and then they are both what they're supposed to be for the next two years i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that there are massive contracts for both of those guys but if it looks like this for the next two years of and hey what if it flips next year it's not out of the realm possibility that vladi has a better year than Bowen, but If it continues to look like this, or it's the ups and downs, and I'm really talking more about Vladdy than I am (laughs) a Bobo right now, there's not going to be a rush to commit. And the thing about Vladdy, and I don't say this about him personally, but just a guy with his life situation. He, and one, he's making 14 sheets this year. It's not like he is destitute and needs the money. He can bet on himself for a year of UFA. He could take a deal. He doesn't need to ring the bell the second he gets a chance to. Bo Bichette, a little bit of a different situation, but not really. He's going to get his 11 next year. Then I think it jumps to 16 for the Correct. last year of his ARB deal. Yep. If he wants to take one more year. To, now, he's going to be 28 when this happens, so he's probably going to really want to ring that bell at that point in time. You need to know what those guys are and whatever that means to you. I think a lot of people are pretty confident in knowing what Bo Bichette is and they'd be pretty confident in giving them that big... Eight, 10 ten-year, whatever baseball contracts look like by the time he's ready to sign that one when we're done with Shohei. Vladdy's going to be a different scenario. You need to see more of a consistent track record. And quite honestly, this shouldn't be the way it works, but it doesn't need to be consistent track record if he just loses his mind for three weeks in October. People, if he loses his mind for three weeks in October and he's hitting 310 and he's slugging you-know-what and he's got four bombs in a series, and people will be ready to write him a blank check that day definitely and that's that's why it is so important that one of those guys comes through in a big way should they qualify I think we should probably preface it with that I think they're going to get in but should they qualify still
1: an if. still an if. definitely an F given what we're seeing from the teams in front of them right now and that are around their orbit in, in the playoff race uh, the that the whole Bo Vlad conversation we've been it seems like having it now for at least a couple of years, which is crazy because they've only been in the big leagues for a very relatively short period of time. But I will say, I think a it's a huge domino. There's no doubt about it. It's a massive domino. Right now, if we look at I I mean I that's why I was I was saying you got it if we're focusing on even just focusing on the now this roster what is it going to be less, I mean, this time next year, it's going to look vastly different. Okay, that's another factor. We didn't even mention the position players and Mm -hmm. we went through some, like you mentioned Springer, but what Merrifield might not be here. Chapman. Ch- Ch-
0: oh. well, gone. Uh,
1: he gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Chapman, I think, is uh, he's got a plane waiting and ready for him. The only thing, October the only thing preventing
0: Matt Chapman from playing from the Giants next year is them giving Shohei Otani like $700 yeah. million. Dollars. That's the only thing preventing <laughs> it from happening.
1: Yeah, and then they'll say, uh, Farhan hands you'll say, thank you very much for for being here. I appreciate it, but uh, we're going to move Get on out. in a yeah. different direction. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, so that, that is I think, is a part of it. But uh, with, with the contracts in particular, there's it's those guys people always point to like, oh, Atlanta did a great job of locking up all their young players for an extended period of time. Why couldn't necessarily the Blue Jays possibly consider that? I think Bo and Vlad are really unique compared to other young players in the game because uh-huh. they let's face it, they they A they're a little bit more they're a little smarter and wiser when it comes to how to negotiate and uh-huh. deal with contracts, given that they're they're, they're second-generation stars. Their parents That's it. went through it, and they have money in their back pocket. That's they don't it. need it. That's it. So now when we get to that point of them eventually trying to cash in, they're going to really want to cash in, and there's not an appetite for them to say right now, I'll take – I'll take a bit of a haircut or I'll take less. Yeah, the, two, sec- the two big for ones. The security.
0: The two big ones in Atlanta that everyone always brings up are Albies and Acuna, right? Yeah. Like they were able to well, jump all over those guys early.
1: Michael Harris had one yeah, last that's year. True. He signs a nice, very, very team friendly long term deal. He's a great, not even, he's an awesome two way player yeah. on both sides of the ball in center field. And, and then, yes, I mean, Austin Riley got paid too, right? But. You know he, and I would say he took a little bit below market value, yeah, but definitely. comparatively to the other ones, no, the other contracts are yeah, yeah. more significant from that standpoint. however, with with the blue Jays, it's going to be different. It's just going to be different, and that's why when this whole conversation got tossed around really early in their careers, especially after they had their first full seasons where they come out, they look like world beaters. These guys look like those real franchise cornerstones. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, okay, we'll get it down now because you're gonna save money, but realistically they're not in a position where they f- really feel the need to do that.
0: No. And uh, like, I understand he is uh persona non grata and MLB right now, rightfully so, but that Wander Franco contract was not walking through the door from either one of those guys. There was just, there was no impetus on Bo or Vladdy's part to get locked up for the effective entirety of their prime because they didn't need it. The family situation was just different. Yep. It, it's a smart move if you can wait, and they obviously had the ability to do so. The other part of it as well is sometimes I think we look at it as, like, as this missed opportunity that you know the Jays weren't able to get at least one of them locked up to one of those super deals or, or however you want to look at it. Uh, if you think the pressure has been getting, and maybe, maybe you're not of this thought, but if you think it's pressure that's affecting Vladimir Goro Jr. right now, how do you feel if there was a twenty in front of his name, or whatever the deal would look like? Right, because I, you know, it'd be backloaded. It wouldn't be the big up front, but we wouldn't think of it as how much he gets paid annually. Again, I say this about baseball players all the time. Right now. How much do they make? Go ahead. Tell me. You probably don't know unless you've just gone and looked it up because you're curious. But once a guy gets the big 10 times whatever, we look at them as a $180 million player, a $200 million player. And that number would have, whatever it would have ended up at, would have got attached to Vlad, would have got attached to Bo. And as a young player, when you're scuffling, you don't need that on you. It's hard enough when you're not living up to the hype. What would we have been saying? We have a perfect example right in front of us this year. What would we have said about Alec Manoa if they did exactly that with him? Now, obviously, a pitcher, so much harder to do that with, wasn't ever discussed, really, because of exactly that thing. You know how much pressure Manoa put on himself this year. Imagine if he was a, again, $120 million pitcher, or however we would have phrased it. It would have been would have felt like the world would have been on top of you. So maybe a little PC says they dodged a bullet, not doing that.
1: There is a world where they could theoretically keep both of those guys. They could they could keep Bo and keep Vladi and pay them both and give them money. But it will be super. Fa- one thing, it, regardless, it it will be super fascinating to see what the disparity in pay is or mm-hmm. how it, how it breaks down, because even positionally, and I did this the other day, I went and looked. Bo certainly has a stronger case to be paid more just given the position because totally. you look at the comparables around baseball and the amount of money that shortstops are getting paid right now, the elite shortstops, and I would consider him in that of tier, course. right? They're they're drastically different and much higher compared to first baseman. And you go look at where Vladdy is and you're thinking – well, yeah, he's. I mean, I I would certainly rather take him than like Jose Abreu, but you know, Jose Brio's making what $20 dollars. $20 mm-hmm. Like it's in that it's between twenty to twenty five. Whereas Bo, you could make the case that it's a, it's higher than that. That I think is really interesting uh, and something to you know. And, and I mean, who knows? It's uh, it's money at the end of the day. The number is the number, but. I think it's, it's still fascinating to consider what, what that could look like because there is a world where they, they could, in theory, keep them both, give them deals and ha- keep, make them happy. And they're also going to have a lot of financial flexibility at that point because a lot of these contracts that we've been talking about, by the time those two come up, will not be yep. there anymore. They're off the books, and I think they're like committed payroll right now is like $75 million for that season compared to what they've got a $213 million mm-hmm. payroll right now. So there will be opportunities to do it. It it just will be really interesting to see what the numbers would look like in a world where both guys stay on the team. You,
0: you mentioned the shortstop salaries and kind of where they're at. So uh, Xander Bogarts, of course. Now he has a super long track record, an awesome Red Sox for a long, long time. He just signed a deal that pays him $25 million per season. It is 11 years, 280. And that was for a 30-year-old Xander Bogarts. Boba is going to be 28 when his uh, ARB contract runs up. So... Get the checkbook ready. Oh, yeah. Get the checkbook ready. I like that. But <laughs> that's a good thing to have. Like, it is a great position to yeah, be in, to have guys that you have it's to It's encouraging.
1: Yes. it's. The, uh, you'd rather have that exactly. than not have guys that anybody would deem valuable or interesting. Exactly. That's the whole idea. That's the whole purpose of it.
0: Certainly is. Uh, so, Jace, back at it tonight. Middle yep. game of the three game set with the O's. Gosman, Flaherty, awesome pitching matchup. If it's half the ball game we got last night, uh, you're getting a good one. Of course, uh, Shulman and Siddle on the call there. And you can listen right here on SportsNet, Five nine of the Fan. A list is coming up next. One segment in the books here on Fan Morning Show on SportsNet, Five nine of the Fan. Diving deep into leaps, raptors, jays, and NFL. The JD Bunkers Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for hey, the A-list. Bing Bong! Bing Bong! Bing! Gunner, Daniele, first hour nearly in the books here. Fan morning show, Sportsnet 590. The fan, Sam, man, pushing the buttons behind the scene. again. I Hope he's not lonely without you back there. You think he's doing okay? Oh, he's doing fine. Mental health check, Josh. Can I get a thumbs up? Oh, he's gonna give me a. He's gonna give me an audio one. He I felt like he reached for the board. Feel yourself. Heat check, Josh. You're he always welcome. Wednesday. To speak. What do you got? That good. <laughs> <All> right, <okay. laughs> Wow. Okay. What a move. I asked you how you're feeling, and he's like, "I'll give myself applause. Thank you very much." Love Heat it. check from the Santman. Hey, I asked for it. I cannot. I cannot uh, matumbo him now. Uh Something else. I would never matumbo Stephen A. Smith in literally any facet of my life. Now, this goes a lot to who I am as a person. Uh, I'm sure this will be a feature of the next two days of the show of me being very chipper and uh, the person being in here with me maybe less than so. There's no time in my life I don't want Stephen A. Smith just being all types of worked up about everything, and I want him doing world tours, and the reason that I'm thinking about this is because, like, I want him and Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, just involved in everything because he was on Family Feud, and it just had me thinking that there's actually no element of this, or there's no place I can think of Stephen A. Smith, like, okay, maybe I don't want him at a funeral. But if I needed a bump-up speech at one, I bet he could get me going there. There really are such a small percentage of places in the world that I would be uncomfortable without Stephen A. Smith. So him, ex-Steve Harvey, is just perfect for me. That just feels like all types of crazy that I'm very, very here for. Uh, So I just wanted to highlight that. I don't know if it's happened, if it's aired yet, whatever. (laughs) Go out there and search it. Stephen A. Smith, normally yelling about basketball and the NFL, uh, yelling about, I don't know. Or whatever the number five answer on the board is on Family That's straight garbage. Exactly. Except think, it's not. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: it is amazing. I think it was Monday that it aired. To okay. be clear, I think it aired Monday because I saw clips circulating here and there. So I'm pretty sure the episode would have aired on Monday.
0: But it's a great point. Yeah, I mean Stephen A. Smith. In any given situation, you could probably think. Can we drop yeah. him? Can we drop him in The Bachelor? Like I don't watch this show, but if it's a time for, I don't know, they just got some guy there in a suit, and he's like, who are you giving your rose to? It's way better it's Stephen A. Smith. He's like, you're going to tell Patricia she doesn't have the goods in front of America? I love it. I need Stephen A. Smith involved in everything. I that's was going to throw out a, like, which Sportsnet personality, but that's like oh, asking, can I? Okay. oh, please give can me I one. Give it's, you... just, it's just like asking which of these puppy dogs could fight a grizzly bear, because it okay. really feels unfair to, put, to pit anyone against Stephen A.
1: That's very true, but I do have one that I I Think would be remarkably humorous and funny. Okay. Kevin Barker. This would be great. I think Kevin, yeah. Kevin Barker, Barker would on be Family amazing.
0: Feud. He'd give you some answers. Let yes. will tell you.
1: That southern twang in oh. his voice, too. And it'd I think,
0: just be great. I, I know, I know, like our guy, Jerry D, hosts Family Feud Canada, but. Kevin Barker and Steve Harvey. You want to talk about same Americas, but different Different, Americas? Two Americas would be a play there, and I would very, very much uh, like to see that. That was the only one I could come up with. That's an excellent answer. I I honestly didn't even think we had anybody. I thought you were going to go super the other way. I thought you were going to go with someone very... Understated or like a show alley or something, you know, like not a showman. It's funny. No, his name a no. show Yeah, I thought you were gonna go with someone like a little more <laughs> understated. I thought that when was your name a joke. is show You don't need to be but a showman Kevin Barker. He would give you some answers yes. on that show. Definitely. That's that's very good yeah. Uh, you that was all, the only one
1: I could come that's up re- with I really if you like want that. and I mean then I was also thinking, you know, I guess my second would kind of be Blair too because of just He's he's very unassuming. And well, can he's be very... part
0: he's part of the Barker family. Like it's him, he basically Tim is. Barker yeah. and Hazel, and we yeah. just got to fill out the squad. Yeah, so.
1: that's true. Okay, fair enough. No, but that was that was the only one I could come up with. That's very and good.
0: Stephen A. was also in the
1: news yesterday a little bit because he was. What else happened? Well he was. Ne- oh, he was. He's all. He's always in the news. It seems like every day. But he was needling Lonzo Ball yesterday and saying Lonzo can't walk anymore. He can't sit. <laughs> so Lonzo posted a video of him <laughs> doing doing uh, one legged squats. Okay.
0: Amazing. Sitting
1: in a chair and getting up routinely, and uh, that got uh, generated quite a stir on social media. And Lonzo was like, "I, I, 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 I even like you, brother. I That's even amazing. like you, Stephen A. But That's you so gotta, pretty. you gotta. Where are you getting your information?
0: Where are you at on the theory that uh, his dad's shoes ruined him?
1: No, no, it's no, bad no. theory. I, I'm not. No, okay. it's it first. It's his knee, and he hadn't. He was never wearing them when that occurred. anyway, okay. so it's fine.
0: All right, I'm happy it, you poo that. It's separate. So it's I like. Unrelated. I like to blame that. I thought. That, I mean tragic if that's the case but that, uh, boy, that would be tragic it no. would uh, have certainly come and got them obviously Lamelo yeah. uh, lamello having a little bit uh, easier of a ride and well I,
1: he's, I don't know what an ankle issues running the family yeah. apparently there because lamello's missed a lot two years hey, extended stretches steph with that
0: curry has proved there's hope there's hope there is hope yeah, if you're that, talented there's hope steph Curry. people who are i don't know if you're a 20 year old who loves the nba the pins and needles we were on with Steph Curry's career early on in his career, and I'm not even talking about just coming out of the draft, the questions about oh. size, but once he had those first two ankle injuries and it's, he's wearing the super high tops <laughs> afterwards because they're so terrified of what could that happen. That became really chic and really
1: popular, yeah, by the way. Yeah, but yes. Which
0: I hated, huh, by the way. Oh, also. you didn't like them? No, not the super high top ones. No? no. I don't not like, a fan? No, not really. See,
1: really. I loved his earliest iterations of his Under Armour shoes. Yeah. Those were my favorite. There those early little high top-ish shoes were my favorite Steph Curry shoes
0: oh, man. yeah curry oh, with the
1: ankle uh yeah. braces on all, uh, over, all over both sides yeah it
0: looked yeah. like a sir but you're yeah, right it like we were like boot.
1: one more torn one more turned work. ankle away from probably maybe never seeing this happen
0: that is that's pretty cr- a big what if there's a lot of sliding doors moments in the last five or Derek ten rose years is, go, another one. Go Derek rose is another one derrick rose is another
1: one could have been i mean he was the he was the john ja Morant before john ja Morant. He was the guy that kind of really, really took Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook, and we we got deprived of it because of injuries. Yeah. So
0: Oh, the Derrick Rose one is all time, all time sad. Oh, he was sad. electric, yeah. electric, and yeah, John ja Morant very sad for a different reason. Hopefully, he proves us <laughs> wrong. Honestly, like I, I'd love nothing more than all of this to have proved to be the turning turning point. Oh yeah, Ja could control
1: it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> ja yes. has control of his destiny. Yes. And Derrick Rose. A little less so. Yeah. Tom Thibodeau left him out there too long.
0: Yeah. God, Tibbs.
1: Yeah. Just grind the bones uh, to dust. Yeah, Eric. I'm, a, I'm a big Tibbs guy, but that was rough. You I are remember, a Tibbs guy. You I am a, a tips big Tibbs guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Try hard. It's not that hard just go out there. Now and I
1: understand why the Raptors wanted to steal yeah. from the
0: Now nah, That's it. Just <laughs> they needed all the trade all, secrets. All, from all, all Todd Thibodeau's torture uh, methods that he has uh, at his disposal <laughs> uh, for players. You know, it will not be torture. It'll be quite wonderful. Actually. When we ask John Morose questions about the Toronto Blue Jays, we're going to do that next one hour in the books here on fan morning show on Sportsnet net five, nine and fan.